This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. The Gen 3 parity and repairability debate continues on as we wait for the next round of the championship at Perth. And today, talking to us about these issues and more is V8 sleuths Connor O'Brien. So many smart people and good people involved in the supercars pit lane who've probably been quite frustrated through this period. Connor O'Brien joins us on Inside Supercars now. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Wertlock and Craig Ravel, and we're joined by a man who's been earning his occupation for quite some years now in the V8 supercar paddock, that being Connor O'Brien. Connor, welcome back to Inside Supercars. Thank you, Tony. Uh, yeah, always a pleasure to be on here. Look, it's terrific to have you here, and um, we're talking about a subject today which I know you've been vitally involved with because you've been writing on the subject for some considerable time, in fact, years, I would suggest, that being Gen 3. And uh, it's a hot topic and it has been and it's not going away anytime soon. It seems that every time these cars hit the tracks, there just seems something else that's coming up with them that's causing a dilemma. A dilemma for the teams, a dilemma for people who are actually um, building these cars. Connor, you've seen firsthand the way in which uh, the series has uh, tried to make Gen 3 work and you would have experienced firsthand some of the positivity that has happened down pit lane around them, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess there has been uh, <laughs> lots and good and look, lots of good and bad uh, about it all. And uh, I mean, in some in some ways, there has been some really great things. You know, the racing at times has looked really promising, and uh, the cars look great, and it's had some great ticks like that. And you know, there's been a bit of a shake up. You know, Erebus on top at the moment, which is um, you know, which is always refreshing. But yeah, there certainly has been some glaring. Uh, negatives that are like you say are not going away or or certainly uh are not going away without a fair bit of spotlight on them so uh yeah plenty there's been plenty to talk about that's for sure one of the things that uh, came up in fact quite dramatically at albert park was around the um fire fire engine fires in the uh, two mustangs one in the welcome shore at Perkett and the second one of James Courtney. It seems extraordinary that these are almost fundamental things that um, engine installers and, and normally don't get so wrong. There, there must have been some things that have, were not done um, to get those particular things right. And the make goods were extraordinary. You know, the fact that you change your, 
your racing style. I mean, not having standing start it just seems extraordinary in this series. Yeah, oh, and for sure. And uh, I guess it probably there was a few people, I think, a little bit embarrassed about how how that all played out. Standing starts, uh, I mean, in my opinion, that, that is one of the great things about any form of motorsport, you know, like Formula One or supercars, it creates so much excitement. And so to lose that was uh, was disappointing. At the same time, it was impressive how the pit lane uh, came together to try and, you know, get through that Sunday and avoid uh, something worse, like, you know, some sort of situation where people thought it was not safe to race at all. So, um, of course, that could have been worse. But, uh, but yeah, look, I think there's just been so much politics and so many changes and so many different ideas. And uh, I think there's been a million of these things that have been uh, talked about by someone, but then someone else has disagreed on and, and, uh, yeah, I guess, unfortunately, uh, yeah, it's led to a situation where there's, uh, there's still a fair bit to, uh, to try and rectify. And, uh, of, of course, since, um, since Albert Park, you know, uh, you know, clearly that was a very, very serious matter. And, uh, you know, seeing uh, Nick Urquhart and James Courtney have to, you know, jump out of their cars uh, amid flames was, you know, it was not a good thing. So uh, the there has been a fair bit of rectification kind of works going on to try to uh, make sure that that problem does not happen again at Perth. Uh, yeah. Which is included, you know, uh, ensuring, uh, I think something that was definitely identified was um, vapor build up in the engine bay. So uh, that is something that they've tried to make sure it's fixed moving forwards. Uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I know uh, they have committed to standing starts returning at Perth, which is definitely a good thing. My perverse humour, of course, Connor, did have a bit of a laugh where their solution of possible gas ignition in the engine bay was solved by, well, we'll run the header tank where we believe it's building up in a little hose and have it come out just under the guard right in front of the exhaust. Yeah, that's... Um... When you put it like that, it does defy belief a little bit. Um, but that has not been uncommon and uh, in this project. And uh, I don't mean to, um, you know, there's so many smart people and good people involved in the supercars pit lane who've probably been quite frustrated through this period. But, you know, you think of at times where this car's been meant to be cheaper and it's clearly not been the case. This car's meant to be easier to work on. At one point last year before they made a change, you know, that there was uh, that was considerably not the case on that front end, and then there were some changes to make it easier. But it's still, um, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done. And look, I, I think as well, it's important to to remember that you know, of course, there were going to be uh, you know some fixes on the fly with a new project. Uh, you know, that's that's natural. But I think yeah, some of the politics and costs and uh, delays of all of that has sort of probably just heightened the angst about um, some of the issues that have come up. It seems extraordinary that there is a combination of some components on the cars are too rigid and others not rigid enough. For instance, the front, what's called an undertray, which of course isn't an undertray because we don't have downforce, <laughs> which is all part of what Gen 3 was about to make the cars so that they weren't reliant on downforce for grip. But they made these very complex incredibly complicated front undertrays, which isn't an undertray because it's full of holes uh, intentionally designed that way, and yet they um, have been a major failing point. I understand that Erebus, every session their cars were in at the Grand Prix, they had to do a rebuild on those 
under trays. They just seem far more complex than they ever needed to be. Do you know of any changes that have been mooted about how they'll make them in future instead of the carbon fibre and various other components involved? I, I don't actually at this point in time. I guess there's been uh, a lot to look at. But yeah, you, you're 100% right, uh, Tony. Um, I know at Newcastle too, uh, there were certain teams that were kind of saying, well, we, har- we hardly touched the wall and we've had to pay exorbitant amounts to, to get our cars ready to go for the next race weekend. You know, the wear and tear was um, far too high. I, I'm not a tech expert, uh, but, you know, you, you do think of, you know, there was that triple weight sort of damper that they had, they were wanting to run in that front bar, um, which was allegedly not meant to be much of a performance part, but more so to help the, uh, the longevity of uh, of that, you have to think whether it would be worthwhile. Uh, both sides, you know, both Chev and uh, and Ford heading down that path. Um, you know, if that is something that will genuinely improve the uh, you know the, the longevity of parts, because yeah, that's meant to be a key pillar of this project. Is is uh, you know being cheaper to run. You know, they might not be. You know, <laughs> they gradually moved away from being like, oh, okay, maybe they're not going to be. Cheaper to cheaper to uh, to you know get off the ground, but they are definitely meant to be cheaper to run, and uh, definitely, like you said, that does not seem to be the case at this point. Now, YouTube sensation Brad Jones has been <laughs> making some very interesting videos, and one of which I know is that he looked at the steering rack. Now, it's an Italian steering rack. It's now located in front of the cross member, and that change has had a number of different implications in the one the strength and and b the fragility of then that whole uh, well for each front quarter yeah i mean first of all uh massive hats off to brad you know uh, a couple of years ago the kellys were very popular with their series uh, about their move from nissan to ford and uh, and Brad uh, and his team have really upped the game there, uh, you know, in the in the absence of the Kellys. And I think, you know, the fan response has been awesome. You know, uh, you know, sometimes it's been really hard to get insight into, you know, if you're a fan into what's going on in Gen 3. And Brad's, yeah, done a great job of that. But, yeah, you're right. Um, again, it's amazing to think that we had so long to get this project ready. And then there's, yeah, some of these things that aren't working all that well. Uh, but, yeah, uh, like I know... In the lead up to Perth, there'll be a change, at least with that front uh, or the front and rear clips, uh, you know, adding some gusseting there, which which should, uh, as I'm reliably informed, at least make the cards more resilient to minor knocks. Maybe not necessarily big hits, but um, yeah, so some of that fragility or, uh, yeah, should hopefully be better at Perth. Connor, I've heard it suggested by some people that the introduction of Gen 3 and the associated costs involved in it could actually push some teams out of this category. Do you think that that's a possibility? I haven't personally heard that at this point in time, but, I mean, for sure if if the costs don't come down, it's a definite concern. Um, Yeah, as I said, definitely I have not heard any teams that are Talking about you know uh, you know being in, in danger right at this point in time, but I think another uh, what what I have definitely heard uh, constantly is that the the work you know the, the sheer toll that's been taken on mechanics in the pit lane and the the staff in uh, in the sport 
uh, yeah, I, I know there has been a big turnover. A lot of people lost to the sport because, of course, you know, Gen 3 people were working on that project at the end of last year while also trying to, to you know, run their 2022 programs and then a big, 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 big off-season. And then they've got to this point and the cars are not all, all that easy to work on after all. So, um, yeah, there certainly has been at least, uh, yeah, I know there has been at least uh, a lot of people lost to the sport and hopefully that does not continue because uh, the mechanics are the real unsung heroes of, uh, of supercars and motorsport in general. They're the guys that put in just unbelievable hours, um, you know, to allow the big name drivers to, to do their thing. So, uh, yeah, it's not, not been ideal, but hopefully some of these things start to improve. In fact, you touched on a subject that uh, supercars have seen as their biggest obstacle to face, and that was staff retention, an enormous problem. There's not so much cannibalisation going on as there used to be a few years back with engineering staff and mechanics being poached from one team to another, but it seems though that Gen 3 may have actually pushed that staff retention problem off the top shelf just because Gen 3 and the cost involved and the way in which it's been handled. I mean, one of the things that staggered me um, was the almost lack of uh, noise from Barclay Nettlefold and, you know, the the organisation that now owns supercars, as we both were able to experience. We sat down with Shane Howard at the Grand Prix, who gave us a, an opportunity for some questions for a half an hour or so, and that was terrific. But they seem to be fairly infrequent, those opportunities to uh, question certain aspects of the uh, category. Yeah, look, uh, for sure, I think Shane is always very, very good to deal with, but it has been strange and probably disappointing, yeah, as you say, that Barclay is almost completely silent. You know, he is basically the heart of the ownership group and the chairman of the of the championship. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's been fairly absent, you know, at a time when, you know, either... They should have been, you know, shouting from the rooftops, you know, about the excitement of this project, which again still has uh, has quite some some upside to it. But also, when when there's been problems, you know, um, yeah, it's been left to, to Shane and to uh, even Mark Scaife at times to sort of uh, to answer certain things too. So, um, yeah, I uh, I guess like you say, when those opportunities become quite infrequent as they are. Uh, we tend to, to sit there in that room for a long time because there are just so many questions that we have to answer, uh, sorry, to ask, uh, to pass some answers on to fans as well. So, uh, yeah, definitely the more that they can speak about these things and be transparent, yeah, the better. The problem is, is it Mark Scaife, the commentator that's answering the question or Mark Scaife, the supercars spokesperson? That's always a bit confusing from my end. But, Connor, TGA is uh, um, one of the major owners of the sport. Last weekend, like a colleague of yours, uh, Stefan Bartholomeus, we were in Adelaide. We saw the, uh, well, we saw different parts of the gather round. And when I was in the fan experience with my eight-year-old son, most of the activations were all being run by TGA. 
it seems funny that when you have a business that is all about activations and and fan experience, we don't see that transferring to anything substantial in the delivery of supercar events. Take for granted, I guess, the access that um, that is provided a lot of the time in supercars, you know, and I think it is, you know, sometimes, yeah, supercars, you know, the ability for fans to walk around and walk past drivers and to get in uh, and do those pit lane uh, pit, la- uh, pit tours, uh, you know, which are often run by guys like Brad Jones and Bruce Stewart and, uh, you know, some of those big dogs uh I mean, there is definitely a lot of still great access that goes on, um, and I don't think that should be forgotten. But, um, but yeah, definitely it comes back to fans are at the heart of the sport and those activations and, and making the fans feel part of the Gen 3 journey, I think, is all really important. And I guess one of the things, Tony, we haven't spoken about is the centre of gravity. We've had uh, Tim Edwards host a number of the... Uh, individually prepared cars and the general feeling was there wasn't much to find there but there was something that is being adjusted now i i'm not sure exactly the uh i don't think supercars has come out and said anything about the center of gravity and adjustments there as far as i'm aware but you guys might be one step ahead of me but um i, I know there certainly was uh there's been some ongoing stuff around the engine parity and the, the top end performance in four fifth and sixth gears so uh that seemed to be more where uh, where the investigation and, uh, and attention was being put. Connor, uh, it, this is a subject that uh, isn't going to be going away anytime soon. I know that both you would and many others that are our peers in the paddock um, would all love to be talking far more about the racing and the strategies and all those types of things rather than just the build of these cars. Um, but I must actually just tell you a quick tale which uh, was in my very early years, and this is back in the 90s, I, I think, well, you were probably born, but maybe not long, <laughs> <laughs> was at Bathurst, and uh, there was a big announcement coming, and predecessor of Susie Dilger at Castrol Motorsport Manager was a guy called John Sorzak. I had a fairly good relationship with John, and it, I think it was in 94 or 95, John told me there was an announcement coming and then sort of got a whistle wetted, so to speak, and then gave me a copy of a press release that was being announced the next day. So I went away and wrote about it. That announcement was that the very first Falcon, the Ford Falcon of Tony Longhurst, Castrol-sponsored car, was going to be built in Larry Perkins' shed in his workshop at Moorabbin. And I wrote about it. The news came out. But overnight, both Ford and Holden came out and said, no, that was not happening. I actually wrote about it. I was the only person who had that press release. No one else was given that press release until the next day when it was announced that, yes, it was going to be built, but not and it, in, in Larry's workshop. And so Tony actually had to hastily put together his own workshop. Um, Brett Bull, I think, was the team manager at the time and Lee Geyer and, and all the guys that were there amongst it, including um, Bo Seaton doing the engines. Um, but it was an amazing time to think that then Ford and Holden were saying, no, no, we don't want that, that happening in the same workshop. That can't be done. That's a Holden workshop. That's not a Ford one. And yet now we're in a situation where Ford and General Motors are sitting down and saying, well, we need to sort this out. It's, it's extraordinary 
you know, full turn of the circle, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, while there's, uh, I guess it's just moved such in a control, uh, controlled kind of environment now, hasn't it? So there is, uh, yeah, there, there is so much that uh, is carried over between the two cars. Uh, although, uh, clearly, uh, yeah, quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of rivalry and still, uh, quite a lot of, uh, barbs get thrown from one end to the other, but, uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely a, a very different circumstance nowadays. What do you think um, is going to be the next move in in the paddock? Do you think that uh, there's going to be an announcement by Supercar to say that we've you know changed this, we're fixing that, we're in the engine program? Do you think they're actually going to come clean with a lot of this stuff, or do you think it'll keep on going in the same sort of mushroom sort of situation, just giving a little bit of information? Uh, yeah, look, it's it, it, it's hard to know exactly, uh, but I, I guess things will come out one way or another, so they're better off just sort of, uh, you know, announcing it on their own terms, uh, I guess I would say. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, parody is such a divisive topic and obviously, you know, one side will want to say that, uh, you know, that they're not getting the, the fair uh, phrase, a fair shake of the source bottle, and then, uh, and then uh, the other side is kind of saying, no, no, it's fine. We're just doing a better job. So it is, uh, it is very difficult to know. But, um, but whichever way, I think, yeah, being, being as transparent as possible uh, is probably the best outcome. But, uh, but, yeah, it's definitely something that has got a few people hot under the collar. It's interesting to uh, speculate on the way in which this has been handled. Um, I know that you're off to uh, Western Australia in a couple of weeks' time. Um, maybe we could adjourn to have this conversation with you, maybe post-Barbagello, or as it's now known as Warneroo. I think uh, Alf Barbagello has stepped back from his sponsorship or naming rights. But um, uh, to hear for the developments that occurred during that weekend, of course, um, you'll be there with uh, uh, Andrew Van Leeuwen on his home deck. Um, <laughs> Brody Kostecki there to perform on on his in front of his home crowd. Um, so there there are plenty of elements there that uh, should add plenty more excitement to this topic. And obviously, I didn't expect we'd reach any and, solutions to this situation. But it's a topic that's just going to keep on giving, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's going to be. I mean, Wanneroo is a great place. Creates great racing and. Uh, I guess yeah, one of those things where if uh, yeah, it'll be fascinating if if some changes get made, what happens to the pecking order, and if some changes don't get made, uh, I guess what happens to the pecking order? Uh, because yeah, it, unfortunately, it's a topic that probably is not going away anytime soon. But uh, hopefully, look, I mean, as much as you know, us journalists love having something to talk about at the same time. I know we, you know we're all race fans and we all wanted to see the best guy and the best team getting uh, getting the job done uh, and uh, you know, it, it does feel like a little bit of a shame that some of the maybe some of this is sort of distracted from the fact that Erebus have just done actually a terrific job and Brody Kostecki is a top class driver and uh, and he's got the car under him to, to do the job that he's doing at the moment so uh, yeah uh, hopefully one way or another we can get back to uh, a point where um where there's no excuses on the table from either side and uh yeah the maybe uh, may the best driver and team win 
Connor, thank you so much for joining us on Inside Supercars again. And thank you also for bringing it back to that subject because, yes, you're very right. Erebus went their own way. They didn't go and buy chassis from Walkinshaws or Triple Eight. They made their own. The chassis, I think, were assembled in Mount Gambier with their fabricator there. And certainly Barry Ryan is probably more hands-on than anyone else in the paddock as far as the uh, owners of this year's series. Um, so thank you for reminding us about what a great job that Erebus, Kostecki, uh, William Brown, the whole team did at uh, Albert Park and at both events this year. And of course, people can catch up with your work at v8sleuth.com.au. Uh, help me out here, Connor. No, no, yeah, that's you've got it absolutely perfect. All right, and uh, where you have been uh, ripping it up all through 2023. Thank you, Craig. Much appreciated. Enjoy your time in Perth, and we look forward to catching up with you shortly after that. Sounds great. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Craig. Look forward to uh, to speaking. And Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more. Or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Have paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.